Hey guys, it's your host, Seth Goldstein, with Juicy Divas, Confessions of a Limo Driver. And I have a very juicy, important announcement. Ever wonder how cool and refreshing it would be to hear your own voice on iTunes? Your podcast made at a touch of a button? If you haven't heard about Anchor, you are totally missing out. It's the most easiest way to make a podcast super practical, and best part of all, it's free. It even has creation tools that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone on the go or computer in the comfort of your own home, guys. What's even better, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money for your podcast with minimum listenership. It's really that easy. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. What are you waiting for? Download your free Anchor app or simply go to anchor.fm to get started. Until next time, thank you. Goodbye. Hey, gang. Welcome to another Juicy Divas, Confessions of a Limo Driver. Seth Goatsby and Jim Francis bringing you each and every week amazing artists of every spectrum from one corner of the earth to another. Today is no exception. We have an international award-winning guerrilla-style filmmaker, Chicana, out of East Los Angeles. Give it up for my homegirl, Iris Almaraz. How are you, Iris? How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderfully. I'm I'm just excited to have you here. I'm super stoked. Um, you know, I mean, the fact of the matter is, it's not every day that. I have, um, you know, a Donna filmmaker who's, uh, who's, you know, making waves and, and inroads in the industry, such as yourself with this great thing you have going. Tell us about, um, you have a Bloody Maria, uh, to this, this series that's on, uh, right now it's on YouTube, but it was on other platforms. And we like to see this, you know, for, for decades to come. I mean, give us 10, 20 uh, uh, episodes there, 100 episodes for that matter. <laughs> That's, that that so sounds good to me. Um, the full script was actually a finalist at the Sundance Lab, and we only had enough to make six mini five-minute episodes just to give a taste and hopefully get that ball rolling to get more and more episodes going. Yeah, that's the intent. I mean, it really is the intent. Um, I, I I gotta tell you, when I first saw it, it, it was it was it is obviously uh, meant for co uh, comedic reasons, and the timing is fantastic, and the the lineup and stuff, and the actors, you know, they have their their each their their own niche, um, their own character specifically um, uh, tailor made for each one, and you'll tell us about that some more. But now this is sort of. Uh, let's let's talk about the 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 chola. Um, what is the chola? Let's let's. Why don't we define that from the start? So this way, people that are listening in will understand what what the what cholas were. And I mean, now it's more of a relic, isn't it? Because nobody's really not. You don't see that many cholas out there. And 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 so you so do now. No, it's on yeah. the rise because of you know Instagram and the, the culture has been reviving. And I honestly believe. Chola culture, you know, it's like it has a lot of, um, you know, back to the pachucas and stuff. But, you know, in the 70s, I really believe it grew because there was a 
counter F you to the mainstream. I'm Chicana. I'm going to wear this warrior paint and I'm going to wear clothes that make you don't mess with me. And I really believe the revival is because of the recent last, you know, few years of um, the way people are talking about Mexican-Americans, the way people have been belittling immigrants. And I feel like that Chola warrior spirit has been uh, regrowing because the the needing to fit the the expecting the Mexican American to just um, fit in with the mainstream America keeps butting heads and cholas are at the foreground so they're kind of like our warrior women that the rest of us Chicanas you know take like we're like yeah those are badass women and we want to be like them yeah. right right. I noticed a, an uptick in, in, in the dress code. So a lot of people out here, and specifically in the Valley, I do notice a lot of younger folks that are trying to emulate the, the Chicano movement and stuff. And so a lot of the girls, you know, that they're, they're, they're are dressing, that are paying, paying homage to their favorite uh, chola from the old days, or, you know, a movie that they watch, or maybe even your show that they stumble on. And so, and so I see that that there, there's a, a trend of people starting to dress um, a lot like um, the cholas from 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 the heyday. Can you explain um, uh, a little bit about the show? Tell us a little bit and who's in it. And 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 I understand there's some pretty uh, colorful, yeah. cool people in it. You know, I want to address what you said real quick. And one of the reasons why I believe that what you just said is happening is because that look, that fashion, that culture so strongly came out of the Chicano community. And so if you think like hip hop, hip hop so strongly came out of the African-American community. And then you have empowerment like Queen Latifah and FUBU. So I really believe that people are flocking to that look because it is so uniquely out of our culture. I mean, it's even in like Italian Vogue now and you yeah. know, it's, it's gone global, you know? Right. And so Bloody really Maria, is. Bloody Maria is almost like a, con it's not meant to be taken seriously. No, none of us are hardcore cholas. None of us are trying <laughs> to disrespect cholas. We're just no. artists who respect and admire the badassness yes. and fierceness of cholas, you know? And so right. Bloody Maria really is honoring, like when we were kids, your tia, your cousin, and you know, all those women that you looked up to that you were like at the little party at the kickback and all these cholas, sure, cholas sure. are around and they're laughing and they're having a good time. And they're not just this negative representation. You know, there's people no, that are named no. Smiley for a reason because right. <laughs> Smiley's always smiling, <laughs> you know, and Joker's always telling oh, jokes. Sorry. So it's not like this. We know it's not that thing that people are trying to say. So sure. Bloody Maria is trying to have fun with yes, the culture fun and, of it in, in a good way in a yeah, very lighthearted like john way. waters the way john waters yeah. celebrates drag queen culture and you know like huh? middle class white housewives and de things like desperate living like we're super influenced by john waters for this project where we wanted yeah. to make these badass female centric yeah. characters who like don't put up with shit yeah, and every one of them it is it is eccentric. Every one of them stands alone. He explained the different characters within the the, the context of what we're watching. Yeah. Um. The different plus. 
So well, how many are there in the, in the okay, show? Okay, so there's quite a few. Too many, most people would say. <laughs> like some people yeah. in typical film understanding of way the way stories are told, they're like, oh, you need to have less characters. But then, you know, you see African-American cinema like Friday and, you know, movies with a lot of different characters. And Bloody Maria is like that, too, because in our culture, we have groups that we're chilling with or big families. And so the writers, Stephanie St. Sanchez and Gabriel Mortapazio yeah. and I, we really wanted to give each character their own character. We didn't want them to be a homogenous, right. pissed off. Latina and call her a trolla. Sure. We wanted them to have their own voice. And we have a really talented cast of young actresses, um, Demi Kobar, Diana Cruz. And then we also, we we pulled in two veteranas, <laughs> OGs, <laughs> Angel yeah, Aviles and Sadie Lopez from, uh, you know, the original Mousy and Sad Girl from Mi Vida Loca. And that was like our like, oh, hey wow. man, we show respect to the culture, you know? Right, um, that, that's truly amazing. You got some real warriors there and, um, and absolutely uh, good, good actors in, in their own right. Um, Vivida Loca uh, took place in Echo Park back in the heyday. And I remember that back, it's like we're talking about circa uh, late eighties, early nineties, I believe when um, Vivida Loca was- It was um, definitely was uh, the early nineties, around 94, yeah. I bet. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and to have these people on there, um, it, it must be fun because also too, um, you know, a lot of them understand, um, uh, you know, uh, they understand the culture very well because um, they grew up around it, I'm sure. And some of them um, emulate that kind of behavior, but uh, the writers, um, what do you call it? The writers that are involved because there's just so much involvement going on. There's so many writers. It's like a collective group. It, it takes, as they say, it takes a village, you know, to yeah. make something like this. They're wonderful, wonderful writers. Thank I got to tell you. And, I was watching it. It's, oh, they're good writers. Thank you. We really wanted to, like, we would look at each line and make sure that the line popped or made sense. And then, of course, you know, in addition to the writing is the visual look of them. And Warren DeFranco, our cinematographer, paired up with the wow. art direction of Ezria, Ezria Torres, who's out of uh, self-help graphics, and Gabriel Mortapazio, right. who's also our uh, writer, who is an who is also a part of the art direction team. He comes from comic book world. So, you know, Ezria had yeah. that very East LA understanding along with right. Gabe's like understanding of comic bookness. And, right. you know, it just like all the team, like as I, a director, I, I feel like my best thing as being a director is identifying people's talents and how they can contribute to bringing the vision to life. Right. Yeah. And and I believe that that I did get a sense for for that. You know, feel for you know um, when I was watching the, the the show, one of the episodes, I, I got a little bit of that comic book, a little of that um, you know undertones uh, and stuff. And campy. And, and it's it's campy yeah. and B movie. It's definitely a yeah. B movie homage. Yeah. Yeah, like, and, and like black, the way Black Dynamite is an homage sure. to the uh, black exploitation. That's what yeah. we were trying to do was a, a, like a Black Dynamite for cholas. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and, it, and it baffles me sometimes because some people don't get it. They say, oh, you're you're going to, it's sensationalism at its best. You're trying right. to promote a, a, a violence. And by no means, right. I mean, I grew up in a gang infested neighborhood. I know the difference. This is totally the kind of show that that's made very well and and it's got 
professionals in it and they're honoring and, and the whole the whole bit is done in a, such a respectful dignified way and no one gets hurt we're, we're not talking about killing people in there or anything i believe this is a, a kind of um this is the kind of artwork I like to see um, gracing the, the big screen at some point, maybe to a movie. Well, have you given any thought eventually, maybe something like that or, or uh, well, this, ideas? <laughs> yeah, this script has had several incarnations. So, you know, like, okay, let's make a feature film. That was the first. Right. And then feature films aren't really seen that often, especially in theaters. So then it was like, okay, how do we make this into a series for streaming? Yeah. And then it was like, oh, nobody's taking us seriously because they don't understand right. what we're saying about a B-movie comic book about cholas who could right. become like demon slayers. I mean, we still want to get to the <laughs> demon slayer part and we're only like yeah. the intro, you know? <laughs> and so people were like, what? And I'm like, okay, they're Catholic schoolgirls by day and demonic chola bitches from hell by night. And it. you, you know, like you get it, I get it. Um, but a lot of people are like, "What the heck?" <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we're but pushing boundaries as artists. Right. You know, we want to push yeah. boundaries. We want to, you know, trigger people in a way that makes people think. And like sure. just like you said, we're not showing. You know, I when we first put it up, I saw comments saying, "Oh, why does everything have to be about cholos and cholas?" And I was like, because I made it. You make your own thing, homie. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you want to make something about some boring girl from the suburbs, go for it. That's yeah. not my thing right now. <laughs> or, or, or say, for example, like, then it goes back to the, sometimes they'll, they'll create these fictional stories in the neighborhood that don't really happen in the neighborhood. Well, you know, too many people want to write about yeah. the neighborhood and they don't know the neighborhood. And right, so, right. you know, like I see things and I don't want to like call things out, but I'm like, I don't no. think they yeah. get the neighborhood. And then I'll see yeah. who the writers are. And I'm like, oh, because they're not from the neighborhood. And everyone wants to talk about East L.A., but none of them right. actually live in it. <laughs> so I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> Now, you where where exactly do you, did you grow up? And, and tell us a little bit about you know growing up. How was it? What was it like? Well, I you know I mostly grew up in El Monte, right? Uh, not too sure. far from East LA, and um, and that's where a lot of my family was. And then I, um, my dad and mom separated at a young age when I was very young. And you know during yeah. a few years around the between nine and twelve was some tough years because my mom has a uh, mental illness and drug addiction oh, to uh, self-medicate. And then because of yeah. that, you know, criminal activity got involved. And so my sister, my siblings and I, we didn't go to school. We experienced homelessness, living in motels and then getting involved in illegal activity. And meanwhile, my dad, you know, this guy who was from the Chicano movement, who was a teacher right. in El Monte, like, you know, we were on the run living in motels, like within the same, you know, miles of, of each other. And and I remember like having to duck in cars if like we might've passed, you know, the house where my grandma yeah. lived. And um, and then because of that, I eventually wound up in juvenile hall because uh, we were involved in, um, you know, um, shoplifting in department stores. Okay. And honestly, like there was time- discount. You know, yeah, no, it was more than that. There was times where I was like a 12-year-old walking out of Bess with a with a microwave in my hand. And oh, so, holy cow. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, we we it was definitely very high level 
shoplifting. Like we stole the bags and we like, I know that world in a way that most people don't because most people don't ever aren't lucky enough to get out of it because they don't have a grown up support system. And I was lucky enough that in juvenile hall, which is actually where um, one of my very awesome experiences with a chola named Mousy, because I was younger, I was so much younger than all the other all the other people in juvenile hall, because I was 12 sure. and I was involved in my mom's criminal activity. And this mm -hmm. chola named Mousy really took me under my under her wings and she took care of me and protected, like she took she made sure everyone was cool with me. And, right. and I just remember that so clearly, like, I, I mean, like she's, I don't remember a lot of people's names, but I remember her name, you know, 30 years later. And, and so then I, the courts, through the courts, my father found me and that's when I, you know, moved to West Covina. I say like, I went to middle school all of a sudden with white people. I went from the streets of El Monte to like suburbs, white schools. And I call that like middle school white people is like boot camp. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is how white girls are. Are you ready for this? <laughs> so there was a sense of like, uh, there was a sense of culture shock for for people to uh, at the at the new school. What was that like? You were Laverne, is that correct? Laverne. First was Laverne, of, no? and that first was Laverne, and then was West Covina, and it was culture shock because I didn't have the right labels of clothes. I talked loud. Um, I spoke with um, poor grammar and um, and then, you know, like with I was even voted like loudest mouth because I didn't put up with shit. I was I, right, right, I, I was in a it's like definitely like Cholas would not consider me Chola, but I definitely carried Chola attitude to Laverne. And that was tough, man. That was real hard. And then eventually. No attitude. <laughs> what's that? So take no prisoners attitude. Sometimes you got to be that way, you know, like, yeah. oh, you're going to talk shit about me behind my back. I'm not good it, for that. From, it stems out of like defense mechanism and how our bodies kind of are, you know, like taught to, you know, fight or flight sort of a deal. And you're you have a shield up because right. you've gone through a lot and you don't want to get hurt anymore. And so right. I think a lot of times it stems from from that sort of uh, a troublesome past yes. for, for some people that have, have come up that way. Um, so going through that and then and then and then what happened? I mean, you had to have learned so much. Well, you're just absorbing a lot as you're going through this. Good. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, my parents, my dad and his wife, they didn't understand my world. I didn't understand theirs. So there was misunderstandings and conflict. And right. one of the biggest blessings for me was when I got into the L.A. County High School for the Arts. And even though everyone there is like, dude, you're always pissed off. You had a chip on your shoulder. You acted <laughs> like you didn't need any of us. And yet I never missed school. I, I went to I actually my first year, my junior year, I got perfect. Shout attendance. out to your school, by the way. Sorry. Shout out to school. Shout out to your school. I, I'm, a, I'm an alumni from Cal State LA, and I remember that school being there. I didn't know in their life. I, I heard it's like another 10 years or 20. Started yeah, it's another world yeah. in that school. And, you know, being oh, yeah. different and being whatever I was, it just seemed like part of like, okay, that's just how she is. And that's just how that person is. And some people right. just connected with me in a genuine way. And somehow the arts really opened up a space for me to heal. And I think maybe that goes back to, you know, when I was younger and, you know, I'd be laying in a, in a cell, either in a juvenile hall or at the police station after getting busted. 
And in the cell, I just so clearly remember thinking as at like 12, at 11 years old, I was like, this is all happening for a purpose. I'm, I'm sure. being given this burden or this experience for a reason like a down the line. And it wasn't until I found film where I was like, wow, I'm just exercising demons here. And, <laughs> and people yeah. connect with some things and some people don't connect Fantastic. with things, but I'm not supposed to connect with everyone, you know? You I'm supposed to connect with a few, the film, yeah. Huh? What's that? You began to you began to channel some of that, like the, the energy and the and what you were dealing with too, uh, could be channel channeled into like something like art, the arts, like something positive, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, I feel like I was so tight and wound up and repressed, and yeah. the arts you you can't be that in the arts. You have to be vulnerable. You have to let your inner self be exposed in a way like sometimes I see my work up on a big screen and like my dad's there or other family members are there and I'm like that's clearly yeah. my dad in that show <laughs> this is clearly <laughs> me having sex oh no <laughs> this is like my losing my virginity experience and everyone's on it's on big screen and there's 300 people watching holy shit yeah so, so you have to as an artist you have to say, I'm going to put my heart on the sleeve and I'm sure. going to let myself be exposed in a way that um, can hurt. Yeah. It can hurt. Yeah. But it also yeah, can heal too. You know, it can, it can be like, yeah, I put that out there into the world and someone saw it and they said that meant something to me. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I'm just uh, processing everything that, you know, you're talking and, and as you're talking, I'm sort of like, you're taking us on a journey and we're living vicariously through a lot of the stuff you're talking about. And um, it, it obviously, um, it must have affected you on more than one level. And then uh, you were able to turn the tide, so to speak, and then take something bad, like a bad experience, like these, you know, and, and post-traumatic uh, problems and, 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 and energy, and then shift it into something positive. And, um, you know, you're, you're, you're the right person to be right doing what you're doing right now because of a lot of the stuff you did and it's almost like you're kind of making light jokes about about everything you know you're sort of like laughing at it now yeah um, i try to be optimistic um, <laughs> i've been yeah. called a uh, um a real a realistic optimist you know so yeah. i deal yeah. with a lot of real issues or real things but in like a fun optimistic way because i don't want it to i'm not i i'm not into the ending that's like oh i mean like if i see someone else's film and it's like, oh, that ended really real and honest and depressing. That's cool. That's good uh, for them. But that's not where I'm sure. at. You know, that's not who I'm about. And it's n I have nothing against it. It's just that for me, I have to believe in optimism because sometimes as an artist, you feel so much pain. Like during the 2016 election, I felt so much pain and and I'm like, I have to believe that there's something good that comes out of this. Absolutely. And, and well, you know, you, you know, if you're believing something, you have to have, you know, take a leap of faith and um, take a leap of faith in, in, in what you strongly believe in and know that, that something good's come, come out, out of this, you know, on the other end. And that's what we're seeing now because much of what you're doing, you know, um, you're going to get, you know, paid dividends um 
in, in whether that be accolades, which you've had, you know, whether it be people coming up and saying, I love what you, what you wrote, that what you put on there is a masterpiece, so masterfully done, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, just the fans and that sort of thing. And, you know, you're accomplishing a lot. And I just want you to know that you just earned a new fan. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of your work, the way you're doing, you and your collective group, because as we said, you're not going to take credit all by yourself. No, it, it's hard work. It's hard work. Yeah. And it really does take a lot of dedicated people who don't get as much accolade as like others. Like a lot of times I get more accolade and focus and I have to really acknowledge like the, the socialistic aspect of myself, you know, the part yeah. of myself that wants to break the constraints of capitalism. I have to acknowledge the collective because I'm not a single individual trying to promote myself. I'm trying to promote this group that has a, a voice together and is making yeah. something really beautiful. I think we're, we're making. Beautiful. And the other thing too, and honestly, like all these years, you know, I've been making films with Chicanas, Latinas, you know, and a lot of the actresses, this is so sad. I just, they don't have content. They don't have scripts for them. They don't have projects for them. And so when I see the actresses, and it's hard to not cast everyone you meet because you you see sure. you know the beauty in everyone, but not everyone is right for the part. But then yes. when you see the actresses really trying to make something happen just because they don't get to act that much, like they're talented yeah. actresses, there should just be more parts with more varieties and more various Latina, Chicana characters. And sure. inclusion for sure. For yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's something else that pushes me as well as creating these projects for people that I can see in them, the artist that wants to perform. And um, I really believe like, how do I explain this? Let me see if I can, uh, that if you, create those projects for those actresses, you're writing the script for you. You're creating those projects for those performers and, the, and their art. And then that connects to the girl who's watching it. Yes. And she sees a brown girl that looks like her, that maybe has body variations or skin color variations. And she's like, yes, I want, you know, to see more people that look like me in stories about women who have, you know, other women who have each other's back and, you know, your homegirls are looking out for you and, and also fun sure. campiness. Like, you know, why do only, you know, why, why do only white people get to be demon slayers and, you know, Buffy the, <laughs> Buffy the vampire slayer. And if it does have people of color, it's usually created by white people and then they miss something about it anyway. Yeah, it's, it kind of goes back. It reminds me of in the olden days, they had a character called Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah. Created by folks. And um, and I, it just brought me to that right now when you said that. It, it totally hit a Speedy it's Gonzalez is interesting, right? Because, because we had so few things to hold on to, Speedy Gonzalez were like, yeah, Speedy Gonzalez, he don't give a F. Speedy Gonzalez is the Mexican who gets the cheese. He works hard. He runs. He outsmarts the stupid cat. Like, yeah. it's weird because Speedy Gonzalez has both negative and positive connotation. But because yeah. we are so, we have so few 
icons to, from for our community were like, yeah, I'll take Speedy Gonzalez. I have his we'll take whatever we can get. Sort of thing, <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. if you think yeah. about it, Speedy Gonzalez is kind of one of the few representations where you just see someone like some Mexican kicking butt. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what I gather from some of the people that I've spoken to about about the character itself. Um, and, you know, it honestly, I, I have to tell you that just. It's pretty, I don't know, highly improbable that. You know, at the end of this year, anyway, we'll get to see more inclusion of Chicanos and Chicanas in film. However, I think that in the next year, we're going to be making more noise with some of your uh, work and you're inspiring the next generation of Chicanos to create their their um, different uh, work pieces. And so there'll be more opportunities for more people to work. So I, what I, I, see. Hope, I, I hope that's the case because I recently just started saying, I'm going to commit to shooting projects on the iPhone. And people will tell me, Iris, I have a nicer camera. You can have access to it for free. And I have this commitment. I'm like, no, I want to commit to the iPhone because I want to show that we can create art. We can tell our stories with your own phone. And I really want to show it to the younger. You know, I feel like there has to be a renaissance of story, visual storytellers out of East L.A., out of Boyle Heights, out of Lincoln Heights, because we yeah. need to be able to tell our stories. And the phone is developing so fast. I want to start really putting is. things out and saying, look, that was on a phone. You just got to sure. keep doing it. You just got to tell your story. You just got to make it yeah. happen. Yeah, you just got to go out there. I love that. You just got to make it happen. What you just finished saying that, it's magic. Why? Because where there's a will, there's a way. If you have technology, it ought not to stop anybody. When we were kids, I remember, and you remember, we had... Um, you know, very little to work with, especially film, growing up. In, film stock like, was very expensive, yeah. you know? It really was. It really was. It was almost uh, an unattainable dream, if you will. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. The, gate, the gatekeepers <laughs> the gatekeepers kept <laughs> us uh, far away. And they still kept us far away well, even can, afterwards. That can, that they can keep be another show, right? Yeah. <laughs> Come back for another show on that. Uh, just before um, we continue, I have to make a, a split break for... Um, our sponsors, uh, today's sponsor, yes, we have Fearless. If you haven't uh, read Fearless, the book, pick it up. It's on Amazon uh, Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, you can read it uh, basically for free. Not buy it. I urge you guys on mental health. Um, uh, a lot of people deal with mental health. and you want to pick up Fearless by our good friend and author, Shauna Baca, who's another great filmmaker, Chicana. Yeah, Shauna and I have known it. Shauna and I were on the, on the, you know, on the battlefield <laughs> in the years <laughs> where nobody was talking about us and nobody cared. Yeah. Nobody was doing any surveys and we were just making things and showing them wherever we can. And at some point, yeah. it felt like all the Chicano Latino filmmakers in LA all knew each other. You know? Yeah. Is this? Is that? Isn't that a fact that I completely? You know, it's one of those things, right? I, I resonate with what you're saying because I remember um, I, uh, Lincoln Park, Plaza de la Raza, because I grew up in Lincoln Heights. So shout out to everybody out there in Lincoln Heights. They would have a film, a little film festivals, and I remember the Chicano Film Festival by a good buddy uh, Jaime Gutierrez, who's a, a lawyer, I believe, is also. Um, he used to run the Chicano Film Festival a while back, and you would get to, uh, you know, um, 
submit the films and it would get watched by the people that showed up to these little film festivals. But um, this is pre, uh, you know, I'm talking about prior to COVID, some of these film festivals are still going on. So thankfully, you know, now that would kind of subsided, it subsided a little bit, this whole COVID um, pandemonium. Now we're going to be able to to have these film uh, festivals again. Yeah. And this everyone sort of networks. And I noticed that a lot of people network, not just Chicano, but on a, across, a, across the spectrum of people. And I noticed there's a lot of um, a lot of networking going on. And, and, you know, it's a great tool that we have social media now. Because social media allows allows people that, you know, that normally would not leave the four walls or, or we're out in the boondocks to actually get to see what, what, what the city people are doing and, and learn about all these great stories. It's um, super important. So it's, you know, honestly, we need to do it for the young people. We need them all to meet each other. It's so important to have a space like this who um, started Casa 0101 in Boyle Heights, who wrote Real Women Has Curves, you That's know, right. badass Chicana. And her and I, in 2004, I think it was, we put on a festival called BH Life, Boyle Heights Latina International Film Extravaganza, right? And what we said was, because we were like deciding, well, what would make it a Latina film? And one of the things like I firmly felt is it has to be directed by a Latina. It has to be directed by by that. And that was in 2004 to not say it has to be, it could be written, but directed by someone else. I was like, it has to be the director because the director is the voice that we are trying to lift up. And I, you know, Stephanie St. Sanchez, who I wrote um, uh, the uh, Bloody Maria with, she actually flew out from Texas to be in that festival, and it was the first festival that she'd ever gotten into, and she was so excited. And her family in Texas, she's a you know she's a she's a Warhol recipient, and so she's an wow. artist in in Houston, very well respected. And we met that year, in two thousand four, and now we have Bloody Maria out together. And, Fantastic. And then I've known I've met other people that year. This one, this one director, Sherazada Caballero, whom has worked yeah. on Bloody Maria with us and other things. And it's like that, honestly, I actually just reached so crazy that you bring this up because I just recently reached out to Josefina and I was like, we need to do this again for the younger filmmakers. We need to do this again. So that actually, yeah. but she said it costs about $10,000. So if there's anyone out there that wants to support a Latina directed film festival. That is what one of that is one of my next uh, journeys I'm gonna take because I'm gonna make it happen again. Sure, I think that if people pull together resources, it can be done. It's a matter of of uh, wanting to, and at this point, uh, sky's the limit as to what folks can do pulling together. Um, I think it, it it stands to reason that you know you're you're just a you've done I mean quite a bit of stuff and and quite literally. Um, I, I am I am beyond grateful for having you here. And it's crazy that time flew and, and now we're kind of nearing the end of our show, unfortunately. Um, what would you tell the, the next generation of uh, younger Chicanas and uh, Chicanitos who are starting to starting out trying to be filmmakers and where can they get their, their feet wet and, and what to do, you know? I would say the first thing is write, come up with your idea. 
stick with your idea. Write out 10 moments in your idea. Keep it simple. Shoot it on your phone. There's an app called Filmic Pro. You can control more settings. You can look on, on, inter, on the YouTube and see editing. You can do it. You can see, uh, you know, how to shoot with your camera to make it look more cinematic. And get your collective together. Get your three people. One person who's learning Premiere and has it on their computer. Another person who's buying equipment for the phone. And you three help each other meet set a date and time each week on zoom and you're like that's our date and time that we're going to meet to write and even if you didn't write anything that you were supposed to write that week you still make that date and time because if you don't make a date and time to write you're not gonna write and this is something i heard recently that i was like that's a badass uh statement the yeah. worst thing you ever wrote is still better than the best thing you never wrote. So if wow. you're writing down yeah. an idea, yeah, the worst thing you ever wrote is still better than the best thing you never wrote. So when you're writing down your idea, don't criticize yourself. Don't start editing yourself. Don't censor yourself. Throw <laughs> out ideas. Don't be offended sure. if the other person doesn't like your idea. I get shut down hey. on my ideas from the group sometimes. And sometimes I think it's a bad idea and then the group loves it. So that's and something- And then just throw stuff at the wall and whatever you sticks have to. will stick, right? You have to <laughs> let down your guard. You have to just throw it out there. You have to set and you start, and you start creating your outlines. And you there's a great um, site called Writer's Duet where you can write okay. with other people on a script at the same oh, time. Wow. Get yourself an agreement so that you guys don't start arguing later down the line who belongs to what. Try, I try to make everything even. Even if it was like my idea, I'm still developing it with other people. And that socialistic aspect of myself is like, look, let's make this an even split. And let's and some people, some writers I know, they're like, oh, well, what line is yours and what joke is yours? And I'm like, that stifles creativity to be like sure, that. Sure, but sure. so get get that done get the script done then you got to rewrite it because what you yeah. wrote is maybe a cliche the early bird gets the yeah. worm maybe it's a cliche but later come back and look yeah. at it and think about that character and say how would that person say that like man when i get up early i eat all the donuts <laughs> that's the early bird gets the worm if yeah. i get up before yeah. everyone else i eat all the donuts <laughs> Like, I'm getting hungry. I'm getting that's, hungry. I think that's rewriting. Uh, and, and then and then you shoot it on your phone and edit it and put yeah. it up. Just do it. And you you have all these wonderful tools and resources like you just finished making. You use Zoom. You can use uh, StreamYard. You can use all these different new tools that are out there at your disposal. The idea is to to uh, have something on paper. Don't be. Don't have a bias. Don't have a preconceived notion. Throw all those ideas that oh this work doesn't uh, this my piece might not work. All that out there. Just just uh, like you said. Just put it out on on the line. Uh, wear your heart on the on your sleeve. Be you. And do be you. And if you have an idea, put it out there. And be Just prepared to make mistakes and be prepared for the other people on your team to make mistakes. And allow sure. yourself that space to make those mistakes and forgive yourself and your team so that you're like, okay, we made a mistake on this thing, sure. but that's part yeah. of the process, you know? Every filmmaker, big filmmakers attempt, you know, um, someone like, you know, um, Wes Anderson, he'll attempt something in one film and maybe it falls flat and then I'll see it in another film and I'm like, he refined it. 
he figured out yeah. what he was trying to do so so it's also it's also just sort of you can go around flailing aimlessly and throwing words and spitballing ideas around in the group and then everyone can sort of uh contribute to it and eventually you know you string along this 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 uh, collage of information that will make sense you're making sense out of the nonsense at first but then later it will eventually uh, shape into something or snowball into something right that you'll have eventually yeah listen i want to tell you something we have this project buddy maria if people are listening go to youtube subscribe to trolla vision subscribe to bloody youtube slash bloody maria underscore series or look up Trolla Vision because we actually have content in post-production. It's with awesome. the characters of Bloody Maria. And I can't really talk too much about it, but it'll hopefully come out in the next couple of months. And it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be badass Trollas educating us on like our history and shit. Do you, do you know why? Do you know why? Do you know why, Iris? Why? Do you want me, do you want me to tell you why? Or I'll why? be quite frank with why? you. Because you're a badass. Because you're a badass, honestly. I tell myself that all the time. <laughs> That's right. Always remind yourself. Number one, you're a badass. Everyone I tell myself else. that all the time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Juicy Divas Confessions of a Limo Driver. And we've had the pleasure and honor uh, to have such a wonderful artist in every sense of the word, really. Iris Almaraz, we're so happy to have you on here. Uh, give us you. your social media handles. I know you mentioned oh, uh, you. Yeah, you can. My yeah. IG is just my first and last name, Iris Almaraz. Iris, A L M A R A Z. That's my personal IG. We also have a Bloody Maria series. We also have Trolla Vision, which is putting stuff out. And please go to our YouTube. We're trying to get to those thousand subscribers, we're getting close. Um, and that's a uh, you can look up Trolla Vision or YouTube slash Bloody Maria underscore series. Yeah, that's it. You guys got it. Otherwise, guys, it's been nice. It's been great. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. See you thank next you. time. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. bye.